Welcome to Geared for Growth. I'm your host, Mike Mortlock, Managing Director of MCG Quantity Surveyors, your tax depreciation experts. Today, we've got a real treat. We're actually hosting the two chappies that run another podcast called The Two Drunk Accountants. It's Tim Garth and Dan Osborne. We actually had the pleasure of some time together. We jumped on each other's podcasts. They were kind enough to have me on The Two Drunk Accountants, which was a great bucket list exercise for me and I had Tim and Garth on Geared for Growth and that's the interview today. We talked to them about how to select an accountant, is it important to have a property specialist and everything that you need to know about accounting as a property investor. It's an awesome interview with Tim and Dan, they're great guys, we had a lot of fun and I hope you enjoy it. Here they are. Tim Garth and Dan Osborne, thank you for joining me on Geared for Growth. Thank you. Glad to be here. Good to be here. I'm actually here, as it turns out. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I've been following you guys for a while and, and definitely wanted to... to from afar. Yeah, yeah. from afar. Well, from, I guess, an hour down the road. But, yeah. um, you I'm did a, well, though. I didn't notice you in my rearview mirror. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan of accountants, of course. Um, weird thing to say, but it's true. Um, and, of course, drinking. Um, yes. yep. And, and that's, that's why you're here today. But b- before we give a bit of a, a, an insight, I'll let perhaps one of you and you can fight over it because this is this is not really a great format. Normally, I interview one person, but we're lucky enough to have two today. Yeah. Who are you and what you specialise in? Do you want to take, tackle that separately perhaps? You uh, go, Tim. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Well, um, so as an accounting firm, uh, we believe in supporting, teaching and growing. And that lives true for, for our team, for our clients and for our community. So um, a big... Part of our purpose is to, I guess, um, help people. And we, we're a bit of a knowledge source, I guess. A lot of accountants um, are a bit of a knowledge bank and, right. and they actually kind of vault that up sometimes. Um, so we try to be a bit different. Uh, we try to be contactable. And a part of that is is our podcast that we have as well, which you referred to there, the two drunk accountants. The two drunk accountants. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dan, do you reckon uh, that that nailed that question? Yeah, or? I think you nailed it too. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I have to say, fan of the show, two drunk accountants. As as soon as I saw the branding, I'm like, I'm like these are guys I can get behind. I think <laughs> I first saw your branding at the Accounting Business Expo and we had a stand there one year and right. I, I think it's taken me a couple of years to reach out and say say what's up. So cool. I'm delighted to have you guys on the show. Yes. Um, and of course, for property investors, an accountant's a pretty key person to have on, on their team. So we're going to dive into that. But cool. give us a bit of dirt on, on young Tim and Dan. What were the posters on the bedroom wall? growing up <laughs> so i um i have two i guess hobbies that have been lifelong one of them is film and, and tv and the other is uh, space space so my posters on the wall were a variety of movie posters and just things about space now, you, you described yourself as a space nerd. And I yes. thought, I, I don't know, is this a Star Wars thing or something? You're yeah. talking about it's, the yes, actual it, galaxy. Yeah, it goes both uh, fictional galaxy and, <laughs> and real galaxy. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I um, studied a bit of um, physics and things at uni before I mainly did accounting for the and film. I did many things at uni. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I studied a bit of physics and that, and it's just always been interest, you know, telescopes, looking up at the sky, you know, observing what's happening above. Love yeah. it. Mm. I've got two comments on that. First of all, 
nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, we all did things at uni, Dan. Yeah, so, yeah. It's fair. <laughs> things we regret. No. Yeah, things we regret. Uh, no, to be, but to be fair, Tim, I think we're sitting in a room with two accountants and one quantity surveyor. We're probably all nerds. <laughs> yeah. It's just, where are you on the spectrum? Yeah, that's right. Someone's yeah. the cool right nerd. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, like, yeah. I like that. I think, I think being, nerd, being a nerd is a good thing these days. Yeah. And, um, yeah, but co- contrasting to Dan, I had a, I had a poster of James Hurd. Right. Uh, Essendon superstar okay. on my wall when I was a younger boy. So, so you're the alpha male of the group, mm. clearly. Ah, yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I, I wear that. It's a, it's a heavy burden sometimes. Mm. But, uh, <laughs> the, the poster came with peptides. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah, it's been a rough couple of years. It has. It has. <laughs> now, um, it's a bit of a tradition for me to give my guests just a bit of shit to, to start things <laughs> off, but yeah, I hadn't like accounted it. on a couple of weeks ago and sort of said, you know, exactly when did you give up on life? So I've used that <laughs> joke. So now I'm kind of thinking, well, surely you guys didn't want to be accountants when you were a kid. Like no one in kindergarten says, when I grow up, I want to be an accountant. It's a marine biologist or a firefighter or, or, or were you guys actually super nerds back then? You're about to get two very contrasting stories here. <laughs> Good. So we'll, we'll start with, with what you alluded to in the second part of that is Tim's story. <laughs> yeah, so I always knew I wanted to be an accountant. Um, our business, Cats, is a family business. So um, growing up, uh, I, all I ever knew was mum and dad running an accounting firm, really, since I became conscious. So, um, so yeah, for some reason, I just saw that as a really great thing and knew that's what I wanted to do. I didn't know what an accountant did. Um, I just saw it as a really good opportunity um, to, to do something. So, yeah, and, and as it turns out, I'm, I love it. So, well, yeah. well, I mean, that's, that's a happy accident, isn't it? It is, just, yeah. Just imagine if the, the folks were in the used car sales business <laughs> or something, it could have well, gone really backwards for I've you. I've been asked that question and, yeah, I don't, maybe I wouldn't have become an accountant. But um, I suppose, um, yeah, it's the temperament of mum and dad uh, probably affected the way I am right. and, and that's but I do have a brother who couldn't imagine anything worse than being an accountant. So, okay. um, he's the alpha then, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's more creative, right. okay. yeah. which can be a, a tool sometimes in mm. accounting, but not a, a well-advised tool. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Dan? So, yeah, I, I never knew I wanted to be an accountant <laughs> until I became one, basically. Right. So, uh, as I said earlier, I went to uni, um, unsure of what I wanted to do. Um, in the future. So I, I studied both a science degree and a commerce degree. Right. Um, to start with, I ended up dropping the science because I figured out where I wanted to go after not too long. But um, yeah, I, the one thing I knew is that I, I was good with numbers. Um, you know, I was, a, I was a massive math nerd in, in school. So I thought, all right, well, I'll do the science part of it and I'll do the business part of it and see which one works out. Being a pragmatist, I saw that there was obviously more career opportunities uh, being in the accounting side than there was being in the science side. So I thought, all right, I'll focus more on that. Uh, Tim and I were out at a pub one day and... Um, True, said, on brand. On brand. Yeah. <laughs> on brand. And he said, Dan, what are you doing at the moment? And I said, just studying accounting basically at uni now. And he said, great, we're looking for someone to come uh, work with us. And I said, fantastic. Get me out. I was working in a pub. Get me out of the pub. <laughs> right. Can't imagine anything worse. And uh, uh, the rest is history. The rest is history. The rest is history. Yeah. Now, you guys, the two drunk accountants, I mean, that, that, that's it's an arresting sort of thing. It, it pulls you in because accountants have got still got the sort of stuffy uh, idea with the, what is it, the, the elbow pads and mm, all that sort of sure. stuff. Was it a 
conscious decision for you guys to get out there and be different or, or were you just being yourselves and you just happened to be accounting experts? Yeah, I think we were being ourselves and just happened to be accounting experts. I, yeah. I, a piece of advice we were once given right when we started the podcast was, was don't be accountants named Tim and Dan, be Tim and Dan who happened to be accountants. So, yeah. And that's something that I think we were already doing, but we just didn't have a nice, easy way to phrase that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we've essentially just been living that um, for as long as I can remember. You know, we're, we're very much our own people. We're, we, we, we come first with our personality and our ideas and things that we like, and then we also just happen to be experts yeah. in, in the field that we're in. Yeah, I think that has always been a mentality of the accounting firm as well under, under mum and dad. Yeah, for sure. Um, they always did things very differently. They wanted to have a happiness-centered business yeah. years and years ago. Um, so it was happiness before profit, basically. Um, so yeah, we're just, I guess um, that was bred into us and, and we're taking it in our own direction now. Well, the passion comes across. And if anyone listening hasn't tuned into the Two Drunk Accountants podcast, please do that. Um, it's not all just about 7A tax variations. That's something I heard the other day. I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't know what that is. I'm not terribly interested. Um, but let's talk about the podcast. Now, I wanted to uh, arrange a blood alcohol testing machine just to tell if you guys are genuinely drunk or just pulling the wool over our eyes. But, but why drunk accountants? Yeah, I think, well, at first I think we thought we would need to drink to uh, be brave enough to put the podcast out. Brave and brave. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, that's right, or Dutch Courage. Um, so, yeah, our first few episodes, we definitely always had a drink in hand um, and uh, it helped loosen us up and, and try and be a bit more entertaining and creative. Um, but it just became impractical after a while, recording at 9 a.m. on a Thursday morning <laughs> with a full day's worth of work to do. Yep. Probably not the best idea to have a few drinks at that time. So when we can, we still have a few drinks. Mm. Um, but uh, there's actually a couple of bottles of red wine just sitting there in front of us, which is go. kind of teasing me. Because oh, right we're now. on. Too, yeah, well. <laughs> we are too. I keep forgetting I'm just sort of looking <laughs> at you guys. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so right now, um, not, not as drunk as, as I should be. Yeah. I think what Tim's trying to, to tell you and everybody is that we're living a lie. Right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> no, we, we, we try to reserve um, the drunkenness to special occasions now. Yeah. So uh, if there's a federal budget night, for instance, oh, yeah. we like to, to have a That's few Cosmos. and uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's a celebration. It's a celebration yeah. at that time. Uh, if there's a, I don't know, if it's Christmas time, you know, uh, mm. so next next week actually, uh, an annual event that we do called the Drunkies, um, where we give out uh, awards to people who neither applied nor wanted them. You, uh, could, be, you could be in the running. You could be in the running. Wow. Yeah. What have I got to do? Some sort of faux pas, or how does it work? <laughs> well, uh, we basically just make them up, right. and uh, there is no award really, okay. but other yeah. than title. So you could even win the Crispy Mike Award. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And and I am on the crispy mic. If you if you haven't picked it up already, this microphone is the coveted one yes. in the Cats Accounting Too Drunk a Podcast uh, Too Drunk Accountants Podcast Room. Um, this is yeah, you're on the mic with it's crispy highly, mic as it turns out. Yes, yes. <laughs> now I was sort of my mind was sort of running away thinking about this inebriated professional sort of concept. Is, is there a point where people don't want to take advice from inebriated professionals? Let's say a brain surgeon, you know, are, are you going to go to the, to, to the drunk brain surgeon for, for, for a bit of, bit of brain tune-up work? Is there a cutoff? 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we still have our Cats Accountants brand. Right. Yes. Um, and, you know, that is, that is a fair point. Like, uh, probably for the first year of recording the podcast, we didn't even say on there that we had our own accounting firm. Right. Uh, maybe we mentioned it now and then. Mm. But, um, yeah, we weren't, we weren't doing the podcast to try, and, to try and win clients. Yeah. It was just, like we said, to share information if we could uh, eliminate potentially one of the biggest benefits we saw was we have the same conversations over and over yeah. uh, about the most basic questions. So people are lacking um, information 101. So that was one of our biggest benefits we thought. If we mm. could get this information out there, people perhaps um, will be thinking about the more important high value things than yeah. just like what is GST? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, uh, that's, yeah, I think, um, the other part of this as well is that as Tim was saying, we, we started it not trying to get clients into our accounting firm. So we mm. thought, well, if we call it the two drunk accountants, that's more accessible than, mm. you know, business information podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. so we thought, all right, well, people like to sit down at the pub and have a drink with someone and get tax advice that is completely wrong from their mate. So yeah. why don't we... Sim, uh, um, simulate sitting at a pub with us yeah. and having a drink and getting the correct information. So, yes, I mean, we, we'd all like to sit at the pub and have a drink with a brain surgeon to find out some cool stories yeah. and some information. I don't want them drinking while I'm doing my brain surgery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, we probably won't be drinking while doing your accounting work. <laughs> yeah, No, probably not. The other thing uh, is most accountants are drunk. That is where the brave one's telling you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially after this year. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not pulling the wool over our eyes. I, yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think that's that's fantastic. And and I think anything that sort of differentiates you guys as different, because clearly within a few seconds of meeting you, you, you like you you are accountants, but you could be anything, right? Mm. Like especially yeah. Tim. Like he's got sort of like hipster glasses. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking graphic design. You know, he's got yeah, no, you're right. nice haircut. <laughs> yeah. You could have been Neil yeah. deGrasse Tyson. You yeah, know, absolutely. You could have gone any direction. I mean, I always like to think Tim with his glasses, put a scar in his head. He's Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Except I'm not be a wizard Harry Potter at all. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're probably going to need to crack those bottles if we're doing that to Tim. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about what you guys specialize in, which I guess is small to medium business advice. Yeah. What, what, why is it that that's the area that you're most passionate about? Well, we also run a small to medium business. So yeah. we, um, we enjoy it. We enjoy helping people. There's a lack of information, as Tim was saying out there, and there's so much that we can do to help. So... The main reason we like doing it is because we're able to see the results pretty quickly in people that we work with. Mm. So I sit down with somebody, I'm helping them, we make a business plan, I'm giving them accountability and you can see the difference it makes in their lives and, and in their business. So the, there's a big reward to doing it. You know, It's a lot more rewarding than just sitting down and, and completing a tax return, for yeah. instance. So we do do that, <laughs> yeah. but um, it's not the only area that we like to focus on. So um, for me, it's mainly helping people and that's through our entire business. That's our purpose is, is to support, teach and grow. So um, yeah, th that's, that's the area I like to specialize in because of that. Yeah, yeah I think relationships. Hmm. I think that's why we like small to medium business. Um, it's just that much more close, close knit than say if you're working with a larger corporate business um, who uh, the directors may not have direct ownership yeah. or a... Um, 
I guess, a personal tie to that business and the brand. Yeah. So having grown up in a family that um, was relying on a small business to put food on the table, mm. um, for me, that's, that's a big personal driver and I can really relate to other small business owners. So we'd love to improve their lifestyle and, and the way they feel in their business. Gee, this, I mean, this is quite a pitch. <laughs> I mean, this is not a pitch at all. This is just you guys talking about what you're, you know, passionate about. But I just sort yeah. of like I'm tear, I'm tearing up. But, <laughs> you know, this is this is real stuff. You know, like I, yeah. I, 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 we talk about in our business that you know we're, we we're not saving babies, right? Because we're not clever enough to do it. it. Maybe if we were, that's what we would be doing. Yeah. But we try to sort of figure out how we're making a difference to people. How yeah. what we're doing actually matters. And you guys, you guys understand that, right? Because mm-hmm. the advice that you can provide to someone can you know you can 10 times return yeah. probably even 100 times return on what the cost of that advice is and and those yeah. people are really invested in the outcome because it's like are we having food on the table or yeah. are we yeah. retiring early and yes. traveling the world or yeah. putting our kids you know through why on grammar or is it uh is <laughs> it the king school i don't know is there a why on grammar i'm not sure there's a there's a catholic school i'm pretty sure yeah. <laughs> no that's you're so right. And, and even just, um, you know, there's a client I work very closely with who um, his business has gone from strength to strength recently. And I look at his results now, and this sounds cheesy, but literally sometimes it makes the hairs stand up on the back of my neck just to see how well things are going. So, so it really does. Yeah, it, it hits home. And, and when things are going bad, it, it's, it's stressful. Yeah, so, yeah, and that's what I think. I mean, speaking as a small business owner, I think that's what we want in accountants. And a lot of people just see the compliance side of accounting, right? Yeah. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's the compliance, like the tax return and the BAS statements. But then there's the advisory, and I don't think that a lot of small business people realise that their accountant has the capacity, or at least should invest in the capacity to help them push their business to the mm, next level. For sure. Is that something that you see business owners maybe being sort of underserved in the marketplace? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, I think you speak to any small business owner and, and they always say, I want help. Yeah. I want more help from yeah. my accountant. I don't know what that is, yeah. but I want, I want it. Yeah, it feels like there should <laughs> yeah. be more. All, all I know is that I, I want to be getting more. Um, I can't define it. I don't know what that service is, but I want more of it. Yeah. Um, and on the other side, traditionally, your accountant has been someone you think of, I'm going to go see them once a year to get my tax done. Um, you might try and find the cheapest accountant out there because it's just a compliance commodity, basically. Yeah. You're just trying to get that thing done. And yeah. there's a big difference between accountant and accountant. If you've been to a few, you'll realize that. But um, I think the accountants haven't had the tools, they haven't had the training perhaps, or they haven't had the capacity to be able to provide that additional yeah. services that these people want or, yeah. or at least communicate to them that this is what else we can do for you. Mm. Um, and that's something that we've been pushing for a number of years that we, we are the people who we don't want to see you once a year. Mm-hmm. We want to see you many times a year. We want to talk yeah. to you all the time. Yeah. We want to be that strategic part of your business that's going to help you make those decisions and, and help you um, understand what you're actually looking at. Yeah. And I think... With tools like cloud accounting, you know, your zeros, your QuickBooks, whatever, um, and a lot of add-ons and things, there's so much data out there. So really, a lot of advisory now is is just being able to access that data in real time and provide that information to help make decisions. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's getting easier to do it with more data, but also at the same time, that brings its own complications with interpreting all that data yeah. and, and understanding what you're looking at. 
Um, so I, I definitely feel people want more help. They don't necessarily know what that means. Yeah. Um, and it's our job to communicate to them, this is what we can do for you and this is the outcomes that we can try and get for you. Yeah. Um, and and that's, that's really what we're trying to do. Yeah, it's a big it's a big transition for the industry and for all accountants. So um, yeah, I think there will be some accountants who just remain compliant focused, yeah. but compliance focused, and it will always be a part of our business. It's definitely something we pride ourselves on, um, not paying more te- tax than you have to. Yeah. But um, but yeah, the advisory piece is just that much more interesting um, and and higher value in terms of the results that you yeah. can get. So yeah, it's it's scarier. Um, it's more in close and, um, yeah, there's a bit more blood, sweat and tears involved, but, uh, we're trying to figure out, um, a way to keep improving that service and, mm. and keep spreading the word to our clients and to potential clients that yeah. this is something that could really help them. Yeah. And, and that'd be rewarding work compared to plugging in a couple of numbers in a, in a tax sure. return, I imagine. Absolutely. Now this is a, a property investing podcast. And before I get mm. hate mail, we're going to talk about property. <laughs> cool. For, Small, small to medium business owners, are they generally property investors as well? Do you see them diversifying outside of the, the business? Well, we live in Australia. So most people at some point consider, I want to, or have said the words out loud, probably to their accountant, I want to buy a property. Yep. <laughs> um, so almost everyone you speak to, if they haven't done it before, are doing it, they're considering it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So I, I think... Yes, in answer to your question, most of them want to be or are. Um, whether or not it's always the best idea for them is something that we can talk about with them. But yeah. um, the other part as well is a lot of business owners might own business premises. So they might own property within that business um, c- compared to owning them separately as an investment. So, That's right, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, there are a lot of clients who are property investors. Yeah. It's an interesting one. Um, you tend to find that people in business... Um, have more access to capital if they do have a property behind them. That is one of the uh, hidden benefits of having a property um, and being a business owner. Um, it's often very hard to get finance to, uh, I guess, start your business or to top it up if you're trying to expand. Yes. So it gives you that security that, we, as we know, banks in Australia really need something to secure a debt against. Yeah. So that's, that's something that is, it always hinders business owners that haven't bought a property. Um, but then, yeah, like Dan said, buying that commercial property is, is a really great way for small business owners to invest, but also save some money for their business. For sure, um, yeah. Yeah, especially through something like super. Yeah. Mm. And I want to talk to you about structuring and tax minimization for investors. I guess I've come to the right place for that. <laughs> but I want to ask you how often property investors will come to you guys and say, Tim, Dan, I, I want to buy an investment property. And you're like, yeah, cool. Why is that? And they say, because I'm paying too much tax. Yeah. This is the negative gearing thing, right? People, yeah. people covet negative gearing. You talked about it on your podcast. That everyone wants to be the Kerry Packer and uh, <laughs> who not wasn't Trump. Yeah, yeah, not pay any tax. <laughs> yeah. Just, is that a real situation? I've heard that that yeah. happens quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, all the time. Sure. I think um, especially people who consider themselves but may not be in reality sophisticated investors, um, they, they turn up with their you know, preconceived idea that I need to be negative geared because that's the way you do it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to save tax. It's going to be great. 
they're often very surprised when I turn back at them <laughs> and and express my views about negative gearing and, and how in, in a lot of circumstances, you're actually losing money yeah. um, because that's what negative gearing yeah. is. You, yeah. You're making a loss on a property. Mm. Now, there are smart ways to negative gear and, and you know depreciation and things like that can certainly help. Um, but then still, that is a devaluing of an asset. Um, yeah. Although the, the capital growth goes up over time and that's how you people... Hope so. Yeah, you hope so. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's how, the moment. <laughs> that's yeah, why people that's negative true. gear. But you, I'd still rather have an investment that both grows in capital um, value, but also makes money. <laughs> yep. Because, you know, the uh, thing that a lot of people tend to forget is that, um, and this is negative gearing or just deductions for tax, is mm-hmm. that a tax deduction is not a direct tax reduction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you get $10,000 of a loss from a property and you can write that off against your income, that's not $10,000 of less tax you're paying. Right. It's 10,000 times your tax rate. Right. Yeah. Um, so you've spent 10,000 yep. to gain 3,000 in tax. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's not very smart in my mind. I'd, I'd rather make mm. 10,000 yeah. <laughs> and it's, pay 3,000. Yes. So it's spending money to lose money. Yeah. 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 So there are circumstances where a negative gearing works and you know, that's great. Um, it's not everybody. Yeah. I think if it happens to be the circumstance that you are negatively geared mm. and if it, if it just so happens you're a high income earner, which means you're paying tax at the highest tax bracket, yeah. then it's fine. It's, it's okay to be in that situation. I wouldn't be going out necessarily trying to find properties that are going to make a loss yeah. so that I can save tax. Yeah. It sounds um, really weird when you say it like that. Yeah. Like, that seems like silly advice, right? <laughs> yeah. But that is a strategy for people. It like, is, I, I want to negatively give because I've got to lower my taxable income. And, yeah. you know, the accountants within their rights to say, oh, do you want something that's going to grow in value? And they're mm. like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, or do you want something that's going to actually add to your cash flow rather than uh, require you to be putting an extra $200 a week yeah. towards financing this investment? Yeah. So it depends what your lifestyle goals are. Mm. Uh, depends how you think that property is going to grow versus a property that may have a more um, a high yield on yes. the investment. So, so yeah, it, but Dan and I are definitely not the biggest fans of negative gearing. We think yeah. we always say to our clients, more profit, more money pays for more tax. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is a surprising conversation we often have with clients is that they view our role is to get them to pay no tax, where really we consider our role is to get them the most money. Yep. Mm. So the more profit you make, great. Yeah. yeah. If you, we can also minimize the tax consequence of that. That's our job. Yeah. yeah. Do it in the smartest way. Yeah. Structure it up, like you said. Yeah. Um, you could, you can have companies and super funds and things like that to be paying the least amount of tax possible. But yeah. um, make money on the investment. Yeah, it's a mindset mm. thing, isn't it? Yes, mm. minimize whatever you can. But if you're paying more, chances are you're making more. Yeah. yeah. I, I spoke to a property investor some years ago, and I, I said, "What's the goal?" And they said, "I want to be." Two million dollars in debt. I'm like, what? what? <laughs> I think you got Whoa. that backwards. But they were just kind of being a bit counterintuitive. Well, yeah. well, that will mean because I'm doing it at this LDR yeah. that I'm going to have this many of net assets. But I think yeah. they're just throwing it out to shock people. <laughs> yeah. Right? But yeah, tax. Yeah. We, I guess we've got to change the the mindset around it. Mm. If you're paying tax, exactly. you're winning. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. If you've got That's a negatively right. geared property, it's because it's losing mm. money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it's not going up in value. Something's not working. Right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I would go as far as suggesting if paying your tax is a problem, then perhaps you need to be a bit 
tighter on your personal budget and review the way you're spending your money because uh, <laughs> starting to feel uncomfortable. I'm like, uh, just because if you're paying tax, you're making the income. Mm. And I've met too many people on high incomes that don't know what's happening with that money. Yeah. That I can then I can count. But I, so, you know, but I medically need my wine subscription and, <laughs> and all of these apps that I get sort of debited for and never yeah. use. And yeah. the new iPhone seven billion is coming right. out, and I don't want to be the last one to get that. You're right. You're right. No, no you're spot on. So that, that, that would involve sacrifices. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's just make a loss on the property. Yeah. Let's get a refund, and that'll make us all feel better. Yeah. And it's uh, Lear at Christmas party. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what do you guys like from an investment point of view? What, what does it look like? If we're talking about a property investment, I mean, you, you might think uh, people would answer the question, oh, it's a three-bedroom to four-bedroom with upside potential in, you know, Brisbane Southeast Corridor or something like that. I'm assuming you guys <laughs> are going to be a bit more about the numbers of it. The Give for Growth Property Investing Podcast is presented by our business, MCG Quantity Surveyors. If you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximize their claims and maximize their property education as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so as accountants and and not financial planners, we're not allowed to tell clients which investment is the right one for them. Um, We can tell them the tax consequences of that, but often that relates to how well that that investment's going. So Mm. in in my point of view, too many people are after short-term things where where they just want that quick win, sell it, get rid of it, whatever it is. Longer-term focus investments, um, diversified investments, they're the smart ones. Um, People who put all their eggs into one basket or people who are only thinking about reducing the tax bill um, as their number one concern, Mm. they're not good investments. Mm -hmm. So immediately if someone comes to me with those questions, I'm thinking, you're not thinking right here. (laughs) You need to change your mindset before you do anything. Um, So that's, that's the first thing I look for. Yeah, well, I think, and what Dan's kind of touching on there is risk reward. Yeah. So, um, get rich quick is is something that everyone dreams of, yeah. obviously. Um, and sometimes that, it works. That's and so that's <laughs> yeah. massive reward we're talking mm. about there. But that also means you're in, you're taking on massive risk. Yeah. And so, as accountants, we're probably more conservative minded. Um, so yeah, I heard that I, here I, first, folks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Who would have thought? Uh, yeah. Who would have thought? So, um, yeah, if, if I was investing in property, I'd be, I'd be running the numbers. And personally, I'd be wanting as little outlay as possible from mm. my week-to-week yeah. um, personal budget. Yeah. And I'd be hoping I could find something that works in an area where I see potential growth yeah. in, in the value of that asset. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, and this is, we live on the Central Coast. So, this is uh, one of the interesting things. I mean... 10 years ago, the coast was probably, as we now know, the perfect place yep. to invest in property because yep. prices have soared. I mean, it's, it's near Sydney. Um, people are relocating here. Um, it's killing me. Property was cheap. <laughs> property was cheap. And the Got rents the were Hawkesbury. probably... I've heard about the boating. Oh, yeah. You heard about that? Yeah, that's, that's a nice spot. That's a very nice spot. So, I mean, um, uh, and now though, prices have gone up. People are like, oh, 
I can jump on this yeah. and they're going to keep going up. But mm. perhaps they've missed the boat. The yield on, of the rent compared to the value of the property could be too low now. Yeah. Um, so these are the sorts of things which, yeah. which run through my mind when I think about property because the minimum buy now on the coast could be 550 Whereas ten years ago it could have been one hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah. So um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting conundrum. Yeah, but- exactly. I, I'd be looking at yields. I'd be looking at cash outlay. I'd be looking at capital growth potential. Um, and another thing, that just considering, yeah, you, you might be making a profit. Um, but that's not cash either. Mm, so yeah, um, you know, the profit is factoring in your interest and depreciation and things, but you're also paying out the actual yep. loan repayments on these things. So yes. yeah, you need to be looking at both the yield of the return on a accounting point of view, but also a cash point of view. Yeah. You know, are you going to be out of pocket each week because you're trying to pay off two loans, yes. your house and an investment or something. So mm. I'd, I'd be looking at a number of factors. This is what I love about self-employed people investing in commercial property yeah. because it kills two birds with one stone. So I know the commercial market's different to residential, but um, you're saving instantly on the rent that yes. you pay and that's going towards paying off your own mortgage. Yeah. So, um, And you can structure that up, say, through self-managed super so that it's in a, a tax concessional area. Yeah. So um, instead of uh, paying tax at, say, 275 or 30% in a company, yep. uh, that profit can be transferred into the super fund, paying a fair amount of rent. Um, that's taxed at 15%. Yes, right. Which over 10 years is a massive difference. Yeah. yeah. Now, we've done the get rich slow part, which people sort of couldn't really get behind. But unfortunately, <laughs> it's good advice, right? But the paying less tax, people are sitting up and they're, they're wanting to listen. I'm interested to ask you guys, um, if you go onto any property forum for property investors, you'll see, I need a property-focused accountant. I need a property specialist accountant. You, you've shared a couple of insights him into tax minimization. Is this something that all accountants would know or for property investors that want to grow a reasonable portfolio, do they need someone that specializes in property investment? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. So in terms of the tax consequences and structuring and all that kind of thing, every accountant should know that. Yeah. Um, they should know those details. Um, in terms of what investments they should be buying? Well, that's probably an accountant that's also a financial planner yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or something like that who, who might be more across the property market than the average accountant would be. Yeah. Mm. So it's kind of split into two. Um, tax consequences, tax structuring, any accountant would know that. If there's someone claiming to be a property specialist, they're just niching in that and it's they're going to charge you more for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if there is a, an accountant who also offers additional services, like they're a financial planner, they can help you choose the property. They can, um, you know, they might have connections, you know, in, in surrounding industries and, yeah, and yeah. things like that and program yeah, like setup. Developers. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, mm-hmm. That's a different story. Yeah. Um, but if you're just the average person who wants to buy a property or two, you know what you're buying and where you're buying it and you just want to talk about the tax things and, and setting it up and structuring it, any accountant should be able to help you with that. Yeah, definitely. And let's have that structuring discussion. Mm. So there are a number of ways that you can buy property. You can buy it as yourself, as mm. a person. You mm. can have a family trust. You could yep. set up a company. You can do it in super. 
Um, I don't know how long we've got, but yeah. can you give us a bit of a helicopter view of, of the different vehicles and, and how they work from a tax point of view and anything maybe else we need to consider like asset protection that sort of yeah. comes into that decision as well? For sure, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely... So we did an episode um, mm-hmm. a few weeks ago that was about which entity structure is best. And yep. It was kind of a, a title... It's a bit tongue-in-cheek because it depends on your situation. Yeah. <laughs> so um, one of the categories that we spoke about, though, was, was, was tax. Yep. Um, what's the tax effectiveness of each structure? Yeah. Um, and that's basically the questions that revolve around a property because not only are you paying tax on income or, or potentially not, um, but there's also uh, when you sell that property, what happens at that point? Yeah. Um, and then there's things like land tax and stamp duty and all sorts of considerations around that as well. And getting the money out of the entity yeah. as well. So yeah. that was that Division 7A you mentioned before. Mm, yeah, um, yeah I, I, think, I think what Dan's trying to say is there is no best. It just depends. Yeah. And that was our you know, tongue-in-cheek answer to yeah. that question on that podcast. It depends. But, but I think... Giving yeah, a quick overview, though. Quick overview. So if, if your main focus is to negative gear, well, then obviously you're not going to be in a trust. Yep. You, you, know, mm. you can't negative gear um, if you've got no other income in a company. Yep. For instance, you're just carrying forward losses at that point. Yeah. yeah. So you can't distribute a loss from a trust yep. to an individual. Yep. So that's that's not yep. going to work. And your other income isn't in the company. So you can't negative gear your other income in that. You oh, can carry right. forward the loss to, to apply against future income, but but not in the year that you're hoping to save tax. So right. if you're looking at negative gear, you're an individual or you're a partnership. Yep. Yeah, true. Yep, spot on. And then I guess um, you've got to think about capital gains tax as mm-hmm. well. So um, are your plans to sell these properties quite regularly? That's a really key question because if, it, if they are, you're probably not going to be keen in a company mm-hmm. where there is no capital gains tax discount. Yep. So you don't get that general 50% discount on the profit yep. of that property. Um, so that, that's a tricky one for the company. Um, especially another thing with the company is you'd be putting money in to purchase the property, but to get the money out, you actually may have to pay tax to right. get money out of the company. Right. So, so a company is actually a very poor uh, vehicle. Yep. If, if you could say any, any were worse for property investment, I'd say the company is probably the worst. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it will give you that asset protection, I suppose. It separates it out. Yeah, okay. Um, but you can get that with the trust. You can well. get it with the trust as well. The trust can also access the uh, general capital gains tax discount. Yeah. And it gives you flexibility to distribute profit into any, um, I guess, individuals that would be willing to accept that profit yep. in their tax return. On paper. On paper, that's right. <laughs> they get the money. Well, they can turn around and ask for the money. I that's heard the other. about that. Yeah. So, so let's say I have um, I have a, a son. I do, but he's, <laughs> he's not eighteen. Yeah. Um, and one day I'll probably sort of say, "Oh, you know, on paper, son, you've had a good year. Like he's, he's <laughs> yeah. hundred grand or something." Really? Yeah, now nice. he can uh, he can sort of come around and and talk to a lawyer and say, oh, you know, all that on paper stuff. Mm. Like, how about we turn that into real stuff?" Yes. That's a consideration as well right it's a real thing absolutely and and mm-hmm. often with family units and things you know um a lot of the costs that that you know that you've distributed to the son would be covered you know you're paying for fees and things for them and mm. you can kind of attribute that it's kind of been taken yeah. out for, for them i wish i brought a pen yeah actually. um <laughs> but, but definitely you can't just distribute to anybody um there is restrictions around it it's it's most people um but yeah. the, there is restrictions around it and if you do distribute to them on paper 
technically you owe them that in cash. Yeah, they could, they could turn around and ask for yeah. that cash. Um, if, they, if you had a falling out, um, then yeah, absolutely. They could come and uh, ask you to write them a check. He is four, so he's very temperamental. Um, <laughs> could ask at any point. Thankfully, he knows almost nothing about tax <laughs> <laughs> legislation. It's often the case with the 18-year-olds. Yeah. Perfect to distribute income to them. Yeah. They don't know anything about it. Yeah. And they start asking questions. You're like, hey, have you seen the new iPhone? Maybe I should get you one. Oh, no way. And then go away for a couple of years. Yeah, so, so the, I think the other consideration, as I said, is stamp duty. Now, it depends what state you live in and what you yeah. do with it. But with trusts, I know there can sometimes be tricky situations around stamp duty. If land tax. Land tax as well. Mm. Um, Which you know it's changing anyway. So. Yeah. yeah, who knows what will happen in New South Wales about that. But um but yeah, there, there is other considerations there as well. But essentially, your main ones are, what, what am I planning to do with my income each year? Am I trying to negative gear or am I going to make a lot of profit? If I am, then potentially there's other entities than being an individual. Do I need to separate the assets out from my personal assets? Yeah. There's some risk of me going bankrupt yep. so that my investments aren't on the line uh, for a liquidator. Um, but yeah, I think the one we haven't covered off on is super. That's the most exciting one, in my opinion. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So personally, there is a, there. You can uh, invest in property from your super funds. Technically, your super funds not allowed to borrow, but mm. there's also other considerations. Are, are you planning on knocking down that place and building two units in, in its stead? You can't do that in your in your super fund. True. Um, but if you're just holding on to a long-term investment to then sell, you can do that in your super fund. Yeah. Um, and the advantage of that is it pays much less tax, as Tim was saying earlier. Yeah. So there's way more hoops to jump through. You need to have a fair amount of money in super. Yeah. Um, but if you can get it into that space, then it's the perfect buildup of like a nest egg over time. Because yep. by the time you can retire, you can turn the super fund into pension phase. Yep. Which means that if you sold that property at that point in time, there's no tax to pay right. on that. If you kept, if you had five properties by the time you retire in your super fund and you're in pension phase, depending on how, what those properties are worth and how many members there are, because there are caps on this now, but yep. the income from those properties could be all tax free. Right. So you could, you could earn um, income in the form of rent and not pay a cent of tax. Right. So that, that's the most exciting part that a lot of people don't understand is the big benefit of super. So it not only is it less tax to pay each year um, whilst you're heading towards retirement, starting from now, um, but also there's no tax once you do retire. Up to certain caps. Up to certain caps, which is $1.6 million per member yep. in the super fund. Yeah, so. I can make that work, I think. <laughs> yeah, you should. Um, yeah, you should. Don't worry about the cap, Tim. <laughs> I, I think I've got this. Can, can you transfer property from entity to entity in a, in a way that's, like, I'm sure you can do it, but in a mm. way that makes financial sense? Again, stamp duty becomes a problem. That's, that's mm -hmm. the big issue. Yeah. So duty. potentially if you're transferring it from, say, an individual into a trust, you might need to pay stamp duty on the transfer all over again, right. which could be 30 grand. Yeah. You know, mm. if the rules change in New South Wales and it becomes a land tax instead of a stamp duty, then there might not be any yeah. consequence. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. That's yeah. a good point. So that could change the answer to this. I haven't heard anyone talk about that, actually. In, it, uh, yeah. So... Mm. Yeah, true. That would be interesting. There might be rules around that. I'm not sure yeah. what they're thinking. But, There's um, an episode for you boys. Like yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> but that's, that's definitely currently the, the consideration is stamp duty is, is the problem. Yep. There are some concessions around um, transferring property between like you and your spouse and adding people like that, but they're very specific circumstances um, in which you can forget about stamp duty. Yeah.
Interesting. Now, you guys sent through a couple of things. I asked the question, you know, what should I ask you? Um, Dan, you, you wanted me to ask you why or what's it, how does it feel to be like the better half of the, of the uh, Two Drunk Accountants <laughs> yeah. podcast? No, I'm glad you asked me that, Mike. I've, I've been wondering when it was going to come up. Um, so you're the, you're the Hamish to the to Exactly. The I'm, I'm glad you said that because it's a, common, it's a, it's a common thing that we've get, we get asked is, Dan, you know, <laughs> how are you so much funnier than Tim? Yeah. Uh, um, how do you carry Tim on your back? That kind of stuff. Yeah. And you know, Tim's a big part of the podcast. And I, you know, I just want to say that Tim, you're all right. <laughs> you know, I think um, Hamish wouldn't be anything without Andy. To be honest, yeah. he, he's the foil yeah. that uh, that bounces the jokes off. So yeah, without Andy, there'd be no there'd be no straight man that yeah. sort of builds up the laughs. Yeah. So I set them up. You knock them down, Dan. Okay. All right. Yeah. Clark and Dorr sort of need the one funny man and the straight man, right? That's right. They produce his genius. Yeah. Plus, you had that relationship with Megan Gale, which was that's right. Some of your best work. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That was good. That was a good time. uh, (laughs) What else do we need to know about you guys? I mean, uh, someone's a musician. Is it? Me. That's also Dan. Oh, gosh. This is, the, this is the Dan show. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, Tim broke a collarbone once playing <laughs> AFL, so just bring that up. <laughs> Thanks. I'm not sure yeah. if that's really a claim. Hey, he's fame. a sportsman. <laughs> now, I've given Tim a bit of shit about looking like a hipster, and which is poor because like, I've spoken to him for all of about two minutes before we started recording. Yes, yes. You should get to know someone before you sort of throw that sort of stuff around. I'm just jealous, really, because <laughs> I see the Garmin. He's got the chiseled features. Like, I'm a semi-retired triathlete, but he, oh. like, he, looks, he, looks, cool. he looks sort of nippy. What's oh. going on there, Tim? Well, look, I'm glad to look like a triathlete <laughs> um, because I'm far from that. Right. So, uh, yeah, but uh, I, do, I do enjoy a good run. Every now and then, I recently ran the Bondi mm. to Manly nice. um, Trail, so yeah. which was something I learned I would I would never do again. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> at about the eighteen kilometer mark, I was like, "Yeah, I'll never do this again." Yeah. <laughs> so he only had sixty k's left after that. So yeah. Was, uh, yeah. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. That's a tough trail, though. It's just up and down stairs the entire time. I think our um, what do they call it? Vertical. Um, distance was 1.8 k's or something wow. like that. That yeah. is a lot. It's that is so a much. Lot for, it is a lot for, for for what vertical meters climbed. Yes, you don't yeah. realize how little you climb each day. Yes, mm. when you know. Mm. I think the tallest lot. tallest building in the world is about 800 meters yeah. tall. Which, when you think about, it, that's a that's a very tall. Yes, building. Um, yeah. and we did you that. Can see the curvature of the Earth. That's yeah. right. For example, I'd that's right. That, yeah, I'd call that up there. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's a lot of climbing, a lot of stories there. But uh, yeah, so no, no, not 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 currently a triathlete. <laughs> Just trying to look like one. <laughs> well, I, mate, it's you know why go to the effort of training thirty hours a week when you can just look like one for free? I, right. I wouldn't get involved in it at all. You just waste your time. Uh, that's such a nice compliment. <laughs> now, when when people are looking to to get an accountant, and I'll focus maybe more on the property investors who may or may not be business owners. What are the best questions to ask them to really sort of put that? question uh, to really put the accountant sort of on notice that this person is cluey mm. and they better have a good answer that in, yep. in a way we're not trying to sort of you know put accountants under the thumb make them uncomfortable <laughs> that would be a happy coincidence <laughs> yeah but what are we got to ask them to know that we've got an expert that this is someone we want to hire do you think i'll tell you what not to ask them <laughs> <laughs> so i actually had a call from a guy one time who was into his property investment and he asked me his first question was 
do you have an investment property? Right. And my answer was no, actually. Um, and he said, well, why not? I said, well, it's just not the right time in my life right now. I'm just not, uh, I was focusing on buying my own house yep. to live in actually. Um, and so that conversation didn't go very far because we didn't see eye to eye. Yep. So it really depends who you are and what type of relationship you want with your accountant. Mm. If you want an accountant who can give you honest, um, truthful advice and be open with you, then I think go about it in a nice, respectful way. That, that was not a great way to go about it. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, then I think you could probably just, what you're finding these days is some accountants prefer to deal with business owners mm-hmm. um, and some prefer to deal with perhaps do more personal tax yeah. work. So in our firm, we do a lot of personal tax work mm. um, and we'll never you know, turn those clients away. Um, but for some accounting firms, it is less desirable for them. So yeah. that could be the first question. Yeah. Do you guys actually still want to work with uh, personal tax clients yeah. who invest in property? Obviously, for you, your self-employed listeners out there, that's going to be a different, different story, different conversation again. Yes. Um, that would probably be my first question. Mm. Next, I would say uh, I'd ask around what their thoughts are on uh, quantity surveyor reports. Uh, so that you're probably a good person to answer that question. Um, I think they're fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if the accountant's never heard of what that is, mm. that's a big, big warning that, sign. People don't realize, but that is a true thing. Yeah. Like when I started in the industry, I was educating accountants about tax depreciation. Mm. Only in the last like five or 10 years has it been the property investor, mm. but there's still accounts that don't actually know or they don't do it. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I think so. I think that's a really valid question. If the mm. accountant's like, what are you talking about? Mm. Then, yeah, maybe just politely end the conversation there. Um, and then, yeah, and then perhaps um, you might have some questions around the way you've structured up your investments or the way you want to structure them up in the future. So, mm. you want an accountant who's going to be able to give you advice around those things. Yep. So, perhaps giving them an, an insight into your future plans and see if that's something that interests them yep. as well. I think if it was me, I'd be. Figuring out what kind of relationship I want with an accountant before I call any. Yeah. So, what, what, is that, what is it actually that I want from them? Mm. Do I want to be in contact with them regularly? Do I want to meet with them occasionally about investments or whatever it is that I'm doing? Yeah, true. Or do I have specific questions or things that I, I want to be asking them? Um, and then I'd call them and ask them yep. and say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. <laughs> is this what you do? That's and it easy. sounds dumb. But most people don't know what they want from an accountant when they call them. Yeah. And so many people call me and I say, what do you want from this relationship? Like, well, this is a relationship. What yeah. do you want from it? Yeah. And they go, oh, um, just get my stuff done. And, <laughs> uh, and you're like, well, no, that's, that's not what you want. <laughs> you know, that's what you need to get done immediately. But, yeah. you know, that's, that's not the long-term view here. So uh, I always think working with accountants is, I guess, kind of like anything. It's, it's like finding a therapist you need one that you have a good relationship with you need one that you can be confident in and that you agree with and that you know that they have your best interests yeah so figure out what questions you think are going to find that information and ask them yeah that's good advice and and the relationship is a bit like a therapist relationship yeah and and especially (laughs) when you know we're we're dealing with job keeper and all that sort of stuff you guys i assume have invested in one of those lie back lounges (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I was actually, yeah, I went through a phase of, uh, of a lot of jigsaw puzzling. So that was, that was good. Right. Uh, yeah, just, just some subconscious jigsaw puzzling whilst having the same JobKeeper conversation over mm. and over. Uh, now you've got a podcast you can pre-record and say, listen to episode <laughs> yeah. seven. Mm. We did that as well. We did that as well. Now, um, I'm having too much fun here. We're going to have to start uh, wrapping this up. But I'm interested in your crystal ball predictions for the, well, for the Australia, I suppose, for the, for the <laughs> next 12 months. I mean, nice. what, what are you expecting for, for the economy? There's a few things table, you know, the stamp duty thing's a big one, and that's mm. likely to get bigger than New South Wales, I think, if it's successful. Um, we've got you know, low interest rates, record low, as they yeah. keep saying, and now it's an extra record. The bank's serviceability calculations are getting a little bit easier for people. True. The market's tired. I don't know. I'll just shut up now and let you guys answer. Mm. I think you've hit all the nails on the head yeah, there. Really? It, yeah. <laughs> just stop there. Yeah. That was good to chat to you guys. <laughs> let me ask you that question. <laughs> no, I, I think you're, you're spot on. Um, I was speaking, I played actually played golf yesterday, um, luckily enough to play golf yesterday with, with, (laughs) with a mortgage broker and, um, he's a friend of mine and I was asking him what he thinks is happening and Mm. yeah, he, he's seeing a big, a big jump in, in property next year potentially. So, uh, I'm no expert in, in property values and in supply and demand, but in our area alone, we're, we're definitely seeing a lot of sea change happening. Yeah, um, people who are w- uh, willing to pay city prices, like Sydney prices, yeah. in regional areas. Yeah. So, um, with all those changes you just mentioned, surely, surely that's going to feed into um, some adjustment in the prices yeah. next year. It's like retiring in Bali, isn't it? You go there with you know a couple of hundred thousand dollars, and you're king of the province, right? You yes. come from Sydney to the Central Coast, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, all right, this block's mine. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could you for the price of an apartment, you could have an acreage. So mm. yeah, and, and that's changing very quickly. Yeah, but, true. Um, mm. Yeah, but the only the only thing I will say to like just temper that expectation is. Um, don't forget JobKeeper is propping up a lot of business right now and, right. Ha- and has been um, for a long time. So um, we've had JobKeeper for almost nine months and that is a massive amount of money. Yeah. So much money. Mm. Um, and there's three more months of that. A lot of people are getting, um, I guess, less and less eligible for that because their business is recovering yeah. and business is actually doing better than it used to, which is great. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen in the economy business-wise mm. in the next six months. I do see um, people in those industries that have faced the most hurt, say um, retail, um, some hospitality, tourism. Yeah. Uh, I think there's going to be some pain still to come. Yeah. So uh, what do you think, Dan? Dan? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my biggest issue here is I'm very conflicted between what I want to happen and what I think will happen. It sounds like it happens a lot to you. Yeah. <laughs> Conflicts. What, what, what I, you know, <laughs> the reason why I'm conflicted is I'm in a position right now where my partner and I, we're, we're at a spot where we're, we're trying to buy our first time. Yeah. And it's not looking great. <laughs> Especially on the coast. Because, you know, a, a couple of years ago, something that was worth 700 is now worth 900. Yeah. Um, and that's a pretty significant jump, um, especially if you think, you know, if, if I'm trying to avoid, you know, lenders mortgage insurance, then, uh, you know, I need a 20% deposit on that. Yeah. And that's a lot of money. Um, but all we've seen lately is just, it's going up and up and up and up. And 
the other part that's weird from mine is kind of what Tim alluded to there is the, the narrative that you're seeing um, the media and, and, and people speaking about the economy and the narrative that's happening with property, with property prices just don't match. So we, we, there's all these people and, and it might just be from our area. There's a lot of people moving to our area, but um, prices and, and sales are just skyrocketing and going yeah. off left, right and center. But we're hearing every second day, China's banning a different product yeah. or a different company from exporting. Um, JobKeeper, are prop, you know, the media is talking about JobKeeper propping up all these businesses that are going to fall under. Um, yeah. uh, you know, we, we spoke to a liquidator who believes there's going to be a bunch of liquidations happening soon. He's already seen a bunch. Yeah, he's already seeing a bunch happen. So those narratives and people's ability to buy these price, um, these properties at these prices don't seem to match in my mind. I'm not yeah. sure what's going to happen. It's almost a game of Simon Says. Yeah. Because it's like you can see property prices going up. Um, so what you're seeing is not matching with what's being told to you yeah. in that it's record unemployment. Yep. Um, and although the we're, we're out of decline. the recession now. Are we out of recession? We're technically out of a recession. Wow. wow. See, an interesting uh, perspective this mm. person I was playing with golf, golf with yesterday mm. is that they want to try and um, stabilize the economy by pushing up property prices even further. And if assets are worth more, then debt books of banks... Uh, worth less as a proportion of what mm. they've lent for. So, who knows what they're thinking in government? There's there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there, right? But at the moment, I think, yeah, everything's pointing up. We're definitely where we are. We'll find out. We'll circle back um, in a year's time because yeah. you guys haven't really committed to anything. So, you'll, <laughs> you'll be fine. I'll, I'll commit to. I think that, I think it's going to, uh, this next 12 months is going to grow. I just don't know what's going right. to happen after that. Mm. We'll see. It's going to crash and burn and I'm going to be able to buy my new house dirt cheap. <laughs> Someone is going to be right. Now, yeah. if people are wanting to get in touch with you, um, uh, outside of checking out the podcast, actually give that another plug. Um, and yeah. if people are wanting to chat to you about accounting stuff, let's mm. let's let's let them know how to do that. Cool. Yeah. So for the podcast, uh, two drunk accountants, you can find us everywhere that you find podcasts. Hit the subscribe button, have a listen. Uh, we release a new episode every week on a new topic. Uh, but if you want to get in touch specifically, two drunk accountants on all the social medias, send us a message. We we, we get those a fair bit and write back. Yeah. Uh, two drunk podcast at gmail.com shoot us an email uh but if you want to get in touch with our accounting firm cats accountants uh, google us facebook us get in touch um send us an email uh, it's all on the website if you want a uh, nerd as your uh, business accountant then email dan at <laughs> catax.com.au yeah yeah and if you want someone less good uh send an email to tim <laughs> you guys. All right, um, let's wrap it up. If there's one piece of advice that you guys could give to property investors, what would that be? Um, I just think, actually, let's just say investing in general. I think the earlier you can start, the better. Don't put yourself into a situation where you can't afford it. So do it consistently and have a long-term view because um, it's, it's compound interest. So... Yep. The more time you can leave it in the oven, uh, if you've got 30 years, then time will hopefully tell on that investment. So whether it's shares, property, whatever it is, the earlier you can start, um, the more manageable you can make it for a long-term play, the better it's going to be. Love it. 